talk about love today. <laughs> Our theme verse for this series, Puzzled, is Colossians 3, 12 through 15. I'm going to read the first part of that. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds all us, us all together in perfect harmony. Love. There was once a young man, and he saw a young woman across the campus at MSU. And he started to think to himself, I would, I would like to meet this girl. I, I, would, I wonder what her name is. I wonder what her interests are. I wonder what her hobbies are. And then he saw her at church, because that's a really good place to meet a spouse, okay? All right? And he said, oh, she goes to church. She loves Jesus. This is going to be awesome. And he got the gumption one day to ask her out, and she said yes with fear and trembling, and they went out, and they had a great time. Fast forward a couple months later, he got down on one knee, he told her he loved her, and he wanted to spend the rest of his life with her. Fast forward to that summer, and they were married. Yeah, and they lived happily ever after. They made lots of babies, and they never fought, and it was amazing. <laughs> Just kidding. All the married people are like, yeah, right. Okay. A couple years into the marriage, the husband realized, man, this is harder than I thought it would be. So he called a wise old sage, and he said to him, hey, I need to talk to you. This marriage thing, it's harder than I thought. I need some advice. Could you meet with me at the coffee shop? And the wise old sage said, absolutely, let's meet at the coffee shop. So that's exactly what they did. And he said to the wise old sage, I need you to teach me about marriage. I need you to teach me about love. And the wise old sage said, what's love got to do with it? And the young man said, I want to know what love is. The old sage paused and Stroked his beard and began, love. When a man loves a woman, can't keep his mind on nothing else. You're nobody till somebody loves you. So don't you want somebody to love? Don't you need somebody to love? You better find somebody to love. It's crazy, you know, this little thing called love. Because you can't buy me love. And love is a battlefield. So sometimes, young man, as a husband, you're going to give love a bad name. Does this make any sense to you, the old man said? And the, old man, the young man stared at the old man blankly, and the old man realized the young man did not know what he was talking about. He didn't know any of those songs. And so he said, just remember this, young man. All you need is love. da 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 da. All right, you gonna sing with me? We're gonna okay. Today we're gonna be considering love. We're gonna be thinking about what Paul 
tells us in the book of Colossians binds all the virtues we've been talking about together. So this is a really important subject for us to get right. We'll be in 1 John 4, 7 through 21. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment because we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we haven't fully experience the perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Jesus pray that you would open our minds and our hearts that we may know you and we may know love better. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. Three powerful and puzzling words that I want to talk about this morning. I love you. And as we wade into these deep waters, I have a, a confession to make this morning that I want to begin with. It, it's a deep-seated confession. I'm not real proud of it, um, but I feel, I feel like I need to share it in this moment. Some of you are going to judge me a little bit, so just suspend that judgment a bit. Some of you are going to want to take my man card away, and that's okay. Maybe you should. Um, here's my confession. Tomorrow night, I'm going to be watching The Bachelor. Because <laughs> I love that show. 
I know, it's so awful. It's dirty to say. I feel like every time I watch it, I feel like I need to take a shower afterwards. It's just awful, right? If you don't know what The Bachelor is, I'm sorry. There's about 12 million of us that are tuning in tomorrow night to watch what's gonna happen. My wife and I, we started watching this, I don't know how many years ago, I don't know why or how or what, but we just started watching The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, and this has become kind of a thing in our life. I like to call it the self-esteem show because it makes me feel better about my life choices afterwards. Like I always just feel better about myself, okay? And it's funny, but um, here's the point. Here's the point. Okay, lean in. Peter has a very large decision to make tomorrow night. And <laughs> some of you are like, is he going to stop? Nope, I'm going to keep going. Okay. <laughs> so Peter has to choose between two women tomorrow night. And tomorrow night, what he's going to do, he's going to get down on one knee and he's going to say, uh, I know I loved like three or four women. I pretty much kissed them all. But listen, um, I love you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. We just, we just love love, don't we? Like we are in a culture that is infatuated with love. We love watching shows about love. We love songs about love. Our cultural narrative is a narrative of love. And these three words, I love you, have great power, but are also quite puzzling. Aside from all the fun of the I love you and down on one knee for the bachelor, right? The words I love you, they have a meaning in your life. Some of us in the room, we grew up with parents who showered us with these words, I love you. We never had a day where we worried about whether or not we were loved. We grew up in a culture of love. The words that we heard all the time in the house and on the phone were I love you. And so when when I talk about this word, I love you, it's not real puzzling for you. You're like, yep, I love that. It's awesome. Great. But some of you in the room never heard those words growing up. You never heard the words, I love you, from your parents. So when I bring up these three words, there's a weight. It's heavy for you. Some of you in the room are still waiting for your parents to say those words. Some of you grew up in homes where the words, I love you, were used, but the actions didn't express what the words said. The words, I love you, are commonplace in the house, but the actions of your mother and your father were not loving. And so it was confusing, and it was puzzling, and it was hard. Some of us, in our relationships with each other, use this phrase, I love you, frequently. Some of you heard, I love you, from your spouse already twice this morning. Some of you said that word, that phrase already to your kids, to your spouse, you showered it in your home, and some of you would say, I haven't heard that word from my spouse in a long time. And maybe I don't even remember the last time that I used those words with my spouse. I love you. Such powerful and yet puzzling words. And this is what we want to unpack this morning. How do we engage with John's command to love one another? See, John gives us a simple but not easy 
command. Live out the I love you by loving one another. It's a simple, but it's not an easy command to love one another. John, the writer of this letter, is known as the beloved disciple. He knows all about love. He writes in the Gospel of John, his account of Jesus, He writes more about love than any of the other accounts of Jesus. And then he writes these three letters which are filled with sort of these uh, notions and pictures and commands of love. John is familiar with love. And in the Gospel of John, he actually calls himself the beloved disciple, the loved one of Jesus. He kind of said to all the disciples, like, I'm the special one. Jesus loves me a little bit more than the rest of y'all, right? He's very, very familiar with love. He sat in the upper room with Jesus the night before he was betrayed. And he heard Jesus give this command that he now repeats in this letter, the command to love one another, to give oneself for the other, to care for the other, to sacrifice for the other, to give one's life for the other. John is just echoing the words of Jesus in this letter. And the command is really simple. It's easy, right? I can say to you, hey, love one another. That's, that's pretty easy, right? Seems pretty simple. Pre- seems pretty easy. But we all know that not to be true, right? We all know that it's actually quite difficult to love one another, John uses some pretty strong language in the passage that we just read. He says, listen, if you want to know God, then you need to know love. And if you don't know love, then you don't know God. You can say, yeah, I love God. But if you don't love one another, he says, you're a liar. You're not really telling us the truth because if you know God, then you know love. And then if you know love, then you know how to love other people people. So we got to get this right. We have got to get this right. It's the command that binds all the other virtues together. By the way, it's a command, not a suggestion, right? Not a good idea. Jesus would say, and John would echo that this is a command, maybe the greatest command. Love God and love one another. So we need to get this right. With our time together, I want to talk about three pieces, three pieces of this command. Number one, love conquers fear. Love conquers fear. John says this, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. In other words, love conquers fear. A lot of fear going on these days, aren't there? I, I saw a, a meme this week, okay, and it said this, uh, you, you're going to lose an hour of sleep this week, right? That's why some of you are at the 11 o'clock, because you're like, oh, I woke up and didn't realize, now I'm at the 11. Okay, I'll be back at the 9 next week. Okay, we'll see you at the 9, all right? We lose an hour of sleep. We have a full moon this week. And you know what Friday is? It's Friday the 13th. So good luck and wash your hands, okay? (laughs) That's what the meme basically says, right? And then we've got this coronavirus. 
This coronavirus that is driving us to panic. I'm telling you, and I, I, I got love for y'all, but like some of y'all stayed at home because you didn't want to touch people's hands, so you're live streaming. God bless you. I'm so glad you are tuned in, but that's real, right? Like some of you, and some of you like came in today and you're like, should I? No, I don't know. <laughs> you coughed into your hand. And so, and I'm not advocating like licking your hand and shaking, okay? I'm not, hear me right. But there's a lot of fear going around right now. If you go to Target, do you know what you can't buy right now? Purell. You can't buy Purell right now. Somebody told me after the service, they found out that Purell doesn't even take care of this disease or this virus. I was like, well, great. That's awesome. That's not really that helpful, right? You can't buy Purell. You know what you're limited to buying at Costco right now? Toilet paper. Thank you very much. Thanks for thinking of yourself rather than other people and buying all the toilet paper. Like some of us need some toilet paper too, okay? Like this is what's driving us right now. Fear sells. Fear sells. There is a slogan in the news business. It goes something like this. If it bleeds, somebody help me. It leads or it reads. If it bleeds, it leads. If you're wondering why when you go on social media or why when you watch the news, why things seem like they're coming apart, it's because that's what sells. It sells better than sex. Fear sells better than sex. And so we have to think about this because love conquers fear is what John is telling us. Love conquers Fear. Now, once again, I, I want to lean in a little bit. I'm not saying we shouldn't be safe and careful, wash our hands, all that good stuff. Fist bumps are probably a good idea right now. It's all good. I, I'm good with that. But listen, the enemy doesn't like that we're getting together this morning. He doesn't. He doesn't want us to get together. He wants to drive us to fear so we don't gather as a church, Right? The devil will use anything that he can to drive you away from love because John tells us that God is love. And some of us in the room are living in relational fear right now. We're so afraid that we cannot love. It has crippled us. And, and John would say to us, no, 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 no. Love conquers Fear, think about this relationally, right? If fear is the enemy, what keeps you from love? It's fear. Fear of not being loved first. Fear of not getting what we want. Fear of not being loved back. Fear of rejection, fear of missing out, fear of the unknown. Fear is the enemy of love. And love drives out fear. Love conquers fear. Love overcomes fear. And John is calling us to a bold kind of love. A love that overcomes the fears in your life. Will he maybe not love you back? Yes, 
That's true. But you don't have to live paralyzed by fear because of that. You can still love because love can overcome fear. Can you be crippled by fear of the unknown? What is that person gonna do in my life? Yeah, you may not know what that person's gonna do in your life, but love conquers fear. We have to believe this fiercely, deep within our souls, that love can drive out fear. That perfect love, it expels all fear. In our relationships, love, love should drive out fear. Second piece of this command Second piece of this command is this. Love requires sacrifice. Love requires sacrifice. John says it like this. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I think this is one of the biggest misconceptions in the world currently about love. I think, I think here's what we believe about love. I think that we believe that love simply means yes and doesn't involve pain or sacrifice. In short, here's what I think, I think we think love equals. Pixie dust and flowers and smiles and warm hugs. We think Olaf is love, okay? It doesn't say Olaf is love. If you know Olaf, you know love. If you know love, you know Olaf, okay? And we, we go further than that with the Frozen song, okay? Like, we actually believe that love is let it go. We just say, hey, let it, let it go. Don't, don't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Love, 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 love. But we don't ever talk about sacrifice. And one of the key indicators of Christian love is a love that requires sacrifice. If you have a love that doesn't require sacrifice, it's probably not Jesus' love. It's probably not. It's probably something else that you made up because Jesus' love always requires sacrifice. Jesus said to John and the rest of them when they were sitting in the upper room just before his death, he said, greater love has no one than this than to give his life for his friends. He says, love is most on display when you sacrifice. Gary Chapman in his book, The Five Love Languages, uh, he highlights Uh, Five aspects of being loved. Basically, he says, we all have a love tank, right? And and either that gets depleted or it gets filled up based upon how our relationships and our interactions go. And he says that for most of us, there's about five areas that will fill our tank faster than others. Some of them will fill it quicker than others for, for some of us. And so here are the five categories. Number one, words of affirmation. So some of us in the room, we, we love hearing the words, I love you. We love hearing the words, you matter, uh, I'm so grateful for you. We love little love notes. Words of affirmation fill up our love tank. Number two, acts of service. Some of us in the room love it when someone goes the extra mile for us. Like we never feel more loved than when somebody like goes and does something extra for us, takes the time to do some acts of service for us. Like for some wives, the hottest thing the husband does is when he cleans the dishes. The wife is like, oh yeah, here we go, right? Acts of service. Number three, receiving gifts. Some of you, you just love gifts. I love gifts. I'm gonna be honest with you, right? I'm like I'm a gift guy. So like the perfect gift just is so thoughtful to me. 
When somebody gives the perfect gift, some of us are just like, man, you were so thoughtful in that. You took your time. You went and got that for me. This means a lot to me. Some of us, it's quality time. It's quality time. It's not distracted time. It's quality time, right? When, you're, when your spouse, when your friend, when your kid, when, when they pay attention and when they, they spend quality time with you, it fills our love tank. And then fifth is physical touch, right? Some of us, like, we crave physical touch. So, like, this whole uh, CVID-19 thing is just driving us crazy because people don't want touches anymore, okay? Right? And so, so physical touch fills up our love tank. And as I was reading through that, I was like, oh, what ties that all together? And here's what ties it all together. Sacrifice. Sacrifice ties all these together. Think about this. If you're the one who's giving all of these, right? Like you have a spouse who words of affirmation are really important to them. You have to take the time to say the words of affirmation. You have to take the time to write the note, to engage in a meaningful way, to go out on a date with them, right? It takes you time. It takes you investment. It takes you sacrifice. If you're going to spend some time um, getting somebody the perfect gift, that's going to take you some sacrifice. There's some cost associated with it. You have to figure out what the perfect gift is, and you have to figure out where you're going to buy it, and then you have to figure out how to wrap it up, and then you have to figure out how to give it to that person. It requires something of you. It requires sacrifice. Love doesn't happen on accident. I think that's what we feel like. I I think we feel like, oh, I got all the feels for this person. And that's what love is. That is not what love is. Love is intentional. Love doesn't happen on accident. Love is when we sacrifice for one another. Jesus didn't end up on the cross on accident. Jesus gave up himself as a sacrifice for you and for me so that we could be set free of sin, so that we wouldn't have to fear anymore, but we could live in love. It was for the sake of love that Jesus died. He gave himself as a living sacrifice for us, and we need to follow that. If we follow Jesus, we follow that. Love requires sacrifice. And lastly, loved people love people. Loved people love people. John says it this way. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. We love because he first loved us. Not too long ago, I preached on being humble and being kind in this same series, and I got some feedback uh, that said, hey, how can I still take care of myself in the midst of being humble and being kind without getting run over? Uh, in essence, what they were asking was, how do, I, how do I care for people, how do I love people without being a doormat? So that was a really, really good question. And here would be my response to that. Loved people... Love people. Loved people love people. Do you know that you are cherished by God? That you are the beloved of God? That if you took 
God's phone out, your big old noggin would be on it, right? Your big old smiling face would be right on his iPhone as his back dropped because he loves you. He gave up heaven so that he could be with you. He knit you together in your mother's womb, it says in the Psalms. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you know that he created things for you to do before you even know that they were gonna happen? You are his masterpiece. You are the beloved of the creator of the universe. You are loved. And loved people can love people. Loved people can love people. And so when we live out of God's love for us, we can live to love others. This even works itself out in really tangible ways. When I talk to couples, a lot of times when there's brokenness in the relationship, one of the, one of the two says, if they would just love me in this way, and we get caught in what I call the crazy cycle. And the crazy cycle goes something like this. If he would just love me like this, then I could just love him the way that, that he needed to be loved. And then he says, well, yeah, but if she would just love me the way I needed to love, then I could love her back, and then nobody gets what they want, okay? I call this the crazy cycle. But here's the love cycle. One spouse says, I'm going to love that person the way they need to be loved, and I'm going to nurture love in their life because I know loved people love people. Loved people love people. People who demand love rarely get it back. Loved people get loved back. And this gets rid of the crazy cycle and it ends up being the love cycle. Whenever I do a wedding, I try to say, hey, listen to, to the guy. Hey, husband, if you love her more than you love yourself, this is gonna go really well. And then I say to her, hey, wife, if you love him more than you love yourself, this is gonna go really, really well. Why? Because loved people love people. John, John wrote one more account. You know it as the book of Revelation. He was sentenced to exile on the island of Patmos. And in it, he showed us the picture of a beloved bride and bridegroom, the picture of Jesus coming back for his church. This is the picture that we need to live into, church. Lifetimes of love together. I want to give you a picture of this. I want you to meet Betty and Gail. We're the Fremonts. We've just celebrated our 55th wedding anniversary. I know it's hard to believe, but uh, we're a little older than we look. <laughs> but we've known each other since uh, high school, the last two years of high school. She was a cheerleader, and I was a sportsman. She would do the cheering, and I'd perform for her. <laughs> well, it's something that really changes as you grow older and are in that relationship that long. I would liken it to uh, God's love for me, which never changes. 
we grow into that, I think, in a marriage relationship. We learn to accept one another in our differences, and, and that just makes you more kind and loving. Well, there was a lot of things we had to compromise on and look at differently and do it in a selfless way, not always wanting what I want, but saying what's good for us as a couple. We surely don't want to come across like it's all just been wonderful. Because we've had difficulties. You just say, we have to work through this. Truly listening what the other person says and not have your defenses up and your mind made up. You have to have time to cool sometimes. It's important that you come back together, talk about it, and, and really see where each other are at. Because of the love for each other, you can back up and say, we can work this out. We can be united, even though we don't always agree. But I think sometimes we think, I really love that person, but I have a better idea for him. And so we, we try to change him. Uh, we've counseled a lot of young people. And if they will give it time generally and back away from the issue and do some soul searching, they can get through it. Sometimes we need to swallow our pride and ask for help. And sometimes, okay, so that's how you'd like it. And, you know, I'm not ready to see it all that way. But she gives me the latitude to be like that, and I give her the latitude to be that way. And, you know, the fact that we have our faith, we tried to read and pray together, you know. We really try to take it to the Lord. So there were about 10 years where we did it on our own, so to speak. I don't think we could comprehend what love was really about until we understood God's love and how great that was for us. I mean, it was a lifesaver. When you begin to comprehend how great God's love is for you, it changes your thought process and your ability to give of yourself to another person. If God's at the center of our relationship, that's the key. And we talk about that uh, and realize this is what God's Word says. Not easy always, but let's put our faith here and believe it's the truth for us. That's what makes it really work for us. A lifetime of love. Would you please stand with me? And I want you to take a step this morning. I want you to unpack the pieces of this puzzle with me. And I want you to think about someone that you're struggling with loving with right now. Just close your eyes. I want you to think about that person, see that person's face in your mind. And then I want you to think about how God might have you tangibly love that person this week. How you can sacrificially give to them. How you can love them without expectations. 
how you can love them like God loves them. I want you to pray with me. Jesus, I pray that you would help me to love these people that I have in mind. God, help us to find tangible ways to love them this week. God, I pray that we would love our spouses like you love us. I pray that we would love our friends like you love us. I pray that you would, we would love our children like you love us. I pray that we would love the world like you love us. God, you know the brokenness in this room and I ask for healing on it. I pray that love would conquer fear. That love would lead the way in all of these relationships. God, teach us to be more like you. Teach us to love upon love upon love. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.